Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new season one, of course, which everybody is extremely excited about. I can tell. I gauge the mood from social media. I see what people say on Twitter and Facebook. Everybody is enthralled. They're captivated. They're ready to go. They're absolutely dying for the football to start again. Well, you know, so sort of. Look, I think most people are, right? Because that's the thing about the start of a season, right? It's you, You're filled, maybe you're not, I always am, have been since the time I was a child, filled with this, perhaps, in fact, the weight of evidence suggests that this is, yes, completely misplaced optimism. But hey, I can't help it. it. It's a clean slate. Everybody's starting from zero. We've got a nice new kit. The grass is going to be super green. And you're thinking anything could happen. Anything could happen between now and May. And, you know, lots of stuff will happen. But what you want is for good stuff to happen. And maybe not everybody shares that view at this moment in time. I understand that. I do. You know, I look at the squad and I think, hey, it's quite good. Really is. I mean, midfield, I'm very impressed with midfield. We've got good goalkeepers, good fullbacks. Slight bit of an issue there at the whole centre-half thing, you know, with two of them being absolutely banjaxed and one of them being only back from the European Championships. And the other two that we have, well, you know, they're very inexperienced. And then, you know, up front, people are going mad about a striker. Of course, I want a striker. I think we need a striker. I think we need to add something. But, you know, it's not like we don't have anyone. We do have some players there. So, look, there's work to do on the squad. Your guess is as good as mine as to why that work wasn't done before the start of the season, which is, you know, when it would make the most sense to do it, when players have time to settle in and uh, they've got time to meet their new teammates, you know, have a training session or two, just learn a bit of the language, perhaps, if they're coming from a different country, you know, that that's the sensible thing to do. But football clubs and football itself is not necessarily grounded in, in common sense. We've seen a guy this summer transfer for over a hundred million pounds. That's not sense that in any way that we could understand it. But in the world of football, nobody's really batted an eyelid, have they? No, it's okay. It's okay to sell this man that you own to another club for a hundred million pounds. That's fine. That's just the way the football works. But, you know, lots of stuff is dependent on other things happening. So if you want to buy a player, then the other club has got to get a player in, etc., etc. So I'm not trying to make any excuses or anything like that. Uh, you know, there's a touch of the Groundhog Day to it. There's a, you know, the worrying thing where we always talk a good game when it comes to transfers. And we say, you know, we've got the, the ability to do lots of things, but we don't necessarily do lots of things. And then this summer, of course, Ivan Gazidis came out and said, we can't compete with the big boys, you know, so 
sorry, well, you know, we just can't, which may be true to a certain extent, but what's the message that that sends out? What kind of message does that send to the players who are reading those comments? I'm sure they're aware. They're aware that the chief executive of the club is saying, we can't compete. They don't want to hear that we can't compete with Barcelona. They just see that. They say, we can't compete. Uh, where's the ambition? Come on, get it together. This is Arsenal that we're talking about here. Of course we can compete. We should be doing more. We should be doing more than we're doing right now. But look, maybe between now and the end of the transfer window, things will go well for us on the pitch and we can bring in a couple of good players and everybody will be happier. I hope that we are. I'd like for everybody to be happy. But right now, it feels like everybody is looking at the worst case scenario, right? So everyone's going, well, center halves going to cost us against Liverpool, which may well be the case. Could be the case. You know, I don't know. I can't predict the future. I wish I could, but I can't. And the lack of goals, we need a striker, etc., etc. So we're very much focused on what we don't have or what we haven't done as opposed to what we have done and what we do have. So what we do have is Granit Xhaka, who looks fucking good player, 35 million pounds. That's a decent transfer. That's, you know, do more of that, Arsenal, if you wouldn't mind. You know, midfield, look at the options that we've got in midfield. We've got uh, Xhaka, Elneny, who looks fantastic since he came in. Uh, Aaron Ramsey, Santi Cazorla is fit again. Francis Coquelin, we've got uh, Mesut Ozil, of course. How could I forget? You know, up front, there's Alexis, Olivier Giroud. Yeah, okay, okay. Don't stop, stop shouting at me. I hear you, I hear you. But, you know, we've got Alex Awobi, a really promising young talent. Imagine if Alex Awobi was coming through at a different club and we'd be looking at him going, oh, I wish we had a player like that coming through. We do. We do have that player and he's ours and he's going to have a good season, I'm sure. Uh, there's uh, Joel Campbell, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Theo Walcott. Stop shouting at me, please. You know, I'm just trying to say that, you know, we do have some good things. Petr Cech and goal. We've got Hector Bellerin. We've got Nacho Monreal. We've got, we've got good things. We should have more good things, but let's not overlook the fact that we do have some good things. Now, after all that, what are we going to do on this week's show? It's a bit of a bumper episode, and uh, glad to have you back, by the way. Glad everybody's listening. Hope you had a great summer. I know many of you will have been listening to the Arscast Extra, but the Arscast is the original. It is, and it's great to be here on a Friday yet again. So I hope you had a good summer. I hope you've had a nice holidays or a rest or something like that. Uh, but here we go again. Um, so on this show, it's quite a bumper show, to be perfectly honest. I'm going to be chatting to Ken Early from Second Captains, uh, not necessarily uh, about Arsenal, just about Arsenal. There is some Arsenal talk in there, of course, but about the Premier League in general, about maybe what we could have learned from last season, uh, about what's going to happen this season with new managers. Mourinho, of course, is at Manchester United. Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. Uh, Conte is at Chelsea. Jurgen Klopp has had his first uh, transfer window, or first decent transfer window anyway. Uh, uh, Liverpool. So we'll be talking about the Premier League in general and about uh, all that kind of stuff. It's quite a lengthy chat, about 45 minutes of that. So what I'm going to do is break it into a couple of bits. Uh, we've got some uh, fantasy football. Those of you who know me uh, will know that fantasy football is not really my thing because I just don't have the attention span for it. I can pick a team on the opening day of the season and then having to go back all the time and change it and it's like, who's injured? And ugh, You know, I, I can't do it. But what about one day fantasy football? One-day fantasy football. So you just pick a team for that one weekend, and that's it. And you can win money. I'll tell you more about that a little bit later on in the show. And uh, I'll be chatting to the Mug Smasher, because we do play Liverpool. So as is traditional, the Mug Smasher himself will be here to uh, chat a little bit about I don't know what yet. 
I don't know. It could be a bit about football. It might not be about football at all. Who knows? But look, for the very first Arscast of the season, it is a big, big bumper edition. Plenty to get you through the weekend because we don't play on Saturday. We play on Sunday. There's that whole thing, isn't there? Where the first weekend of the season and you're thinking, why don't we play on Saturday? We have to wait till Sunday again. Oh, this is terrible. But look, this will help keep you going for, for a little while. So uh, what else? Is there anything else we should talk about? I don't know if there is, to be perfectly honest. And what we should do is just just get on with it. Get on with the show. Get on with the chat. Get on with the football and everything else. So, look, here we go. This is part one of my chat with Ken Early from Second Captains. Last year when we spoke, uh, you said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, Arsenal should win the league. Yeah. And uh, I think when you look back on the season... Uh, that feeling is is fairly prevalent that Arsenal should have won the league given uh, the way they, they finished, finished ahead of Manchester United, Chelsea, yeah. Tottenham, Liverpool, Manchester City. Yeah, you would expect. The yeah, you would expect. I mean, uh, Wenger was on Sky Sports this morning making the point that Leicester had a, a remarkable season. They only lost three games, which which is true. But can we can we learn anything from what happened last season in the Premier League? Uh, from a footballing point of view, are there any lessons, let's say, or was it just like this perfect storm of all these clubs underachieving and Leicester absolutely overachieving us to take nothing away from what they did? They mm. did only lose three games. Mm. They did play really, really well. And when you look at the record, they absolutely deserve to, to win the title. But I mean, is there anything other than it being this like perfect storm that nobody could ever predict it? I don't think, well, nobody could predict it. And I don't think it can be repeated. Um, uh, you know, I think it will be another rich club that wins the league. Uh, I mean, well, uh, I mean, I'm just thinking back. When you when you look at Leicester, it was kind of maybe people who were watching Leicester carefully uh, from the beginning, or you know, from the you know from midway through last season, have been watching them, really taking notice of them. Would have been saying, you know, actually, this team has. When you look at it, the first eleven has got a lot of good players in it, and when they uh, you know brought in Kante as well, um, it was kind of like their first eleven is really really strong. You know, there's there's no there is no weak link. I mean, you got you got a player like Albrighton who's never. You know, it's not like Albrighton has ever been the subject of you know, you know, all the top clubs trying sure. to, trying to get this guy. Um, but you know, he was he was playing pretty well. I mean, he was kind of like a decent, competent player who was playing at his potential. Yeah. Um, but was that not true of all of them? Because you look at the centre half pairing of Huth and Morgan, and you think, well, fuck, you know, it's Robert yeah. Huth and Wes Morgan. Wes Morgan, for a long time, was a guy who fell over a lot. It yeah. was a bit Frank Sinclair, yeah. and then had this amazing season with Huth, incredible partnership. And then you look Kante. at yeah, and you look at the you look at the Community Shield, and he's done for for both the goals. I mean, is this? But like, I thought the big. I thought the, the problem in the Community Shield was was Kante. Wait, we're not being there. Yeah, I mean the goal, the first goal, the Lingard goal is is clearly uh, that doesn't Leicester do not let in that goal if Kante's playing. Mm. Andy King is the player who's playing instead of Kante, and he was the one who who dived in at at Lingard and left the the whole team open. I mean Lingard yeah. obviously went through, went past a couple of like nutmegs somehow Morgan and jumped over him. I mean mm. that doesn't happen very often. Uh, it's a big jump. <laughs> uh, it helps Morgan. It's kind of lying on the ground, you know, doing the splits. But, uh, I mean, that wasn't great defending. But Kante doesn't do that. Like, he's not, he either gets the ball with his initial challenge or he doesn't make the challenge and doesn't leave all this space. Yeah. You know, and that's the difference. You know, if, you don't, if, you, if you're missing that, 
then suddenly there's going to be lots of money. There literally wasn't a single goal that Leicester let in like that last season. I mean, there were the, the one goal that I can think of where they got done straight through the middle like that was against West Brom. It was Darren Fletcher passed the ball to Rondon. Just straight through the middle. It was mm-hmm. like, it was like, it was March. It was kind of, they were on their run in. Um, it ended 2-2. Kante wasn't playing. It's the only game that he wasn't playing. And it was the only time that Leicester, someone had the run of midfield to just pass it straight through the centre. He's gone and they've got this guy, uh, Mendy, who yeah. came on, who looks like Kante, but... Yeah. You know, Whether he can do the same thing, be key. Like I'd be, I'd be astonished. Yeah, you know. But I mean, it's not. It's hardly a big prediction to say Leicester won't be as good this season as last season when they won the league. No, yeah, I think that's a fair bet. Yeah, it's a fair bet. I mean, it's going to be a really interesting Premier League season, isn't it? Because you look at obviously Leicester uh, have got this momentum and this goodwill behind them, but you look at all the the managers that have come in. Mourinho's in at Manchester United. Pep Guardiola. Uh, at Manchester City, Conte at Chelsea, Jurgen Klopp has got his first like full summer uh, under his belt at Liverpool. Pochettino's doing his thing. Uh, Arsene Wenger, of course, is still there uh, at Arsenal. It is going to be a really interesting, difficult to predict season again, though, isn't it? I mean, is it? Does it speak to the competitiveness of the Premier League? No, oh, oh, I think absolutely. I mean, you can't say he's going to win this title. You can make a case for any of those themes. Yeah, you know, any any of those themes are are plausible. Um, you know, it's it's conceivable. They're more certainly more plausible than Leicester. You know, yeah. uh, uh, who actually who actually did win it. I mean, it's it is interesting that all these managers, these kind of big name managers, have come. And I wonder if it's gonna if they're going to be followed by the players. I mean, there was a I don't know if you read on Sky there was a thing. Um, there was someone had spoken to what seemed like a highly placed source at Manchester United, right? Uh, and the story was all about like Ed Woodward's um, incredible achievement in bringing Paul Pogba to the Premier League. Oh, so they spoke to Ed Woodward. Well, it, it? <laughs> it didn't say that they spoke to Ed Woodward, but it did. Yeah. the story definitely did cast Ed Woodward in a in a pretty you know flattering light. Do you not think that me or you, if we were in that position, could bend over and take it from uh, George Mendes or, or uh, yeah, Raiola yeah. And, and, you know, pretty much give them what they want? Yeah. I could do that fucking job. To get the, to, the well, apparently he'd been, he'd been uh, hot on the heels of Paul Pogba pretty much since the moment he left the club, it turned out. Um, <laughs> but there was this, there was, there was a paragraph in it, which I don't know if, if, if the source had said something along these lines to the journalist or if it was just a journalist sort of thinking out loud. Right. Uh, where it was almost, it was almost pitiful like this. There was this almost plaintive tone. It was like, you know, Pogba is the first, um, you know, really top player to join the Premier League in ages. And, you know, maybe now this is a signal to La Liga that, you know, you're not going to have it all your own way anymore from the Premier You know what I mean? It was like, what? Is this, is this, is this meant to be the, the bruised internal voice of the Premier League? <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Premier League's resentful, I'll show you all Jeremy's spoken class monologue. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know. But, I mean, but given that they've got so much more money than everyone else, it's, it's kind of a bad... It's it's a bad time that yeah you know, that started happening yeah it's true I mean Wenger was talking about that this morning he says if you're in France and you want to buy from another French club the uh, you know the prices are quite reasonable but if you're an English club and you go to buy from France they're going well they have fucking so much money mm. that we can just put the price up and up and up and up yeah. and the, I mean the inflation in the transfer market in the Premier League because of this money is is incredible between leaving aside Pogba which we might come to in a minute but just between Premier League clubs Yannick Balassi going to Everton for was it 30 million yeah. I mean 
how do you make any sense of that? That's one of those. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Maybe that happened when I was in uh, Kerry. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, I well, mean, that's, that's happening now, I think. Okay, you know, right, um, yeah. That's Jeez. happening. This, yeah. So, I mean, but it, you, you saw it when, uh, you know, West Ham are bidding £40 million for the guy that went to Chelsea, yeah. the Belgian guy whose name, Batshuayi. Yeah, you know, and, and this is the reality of, of the transfer market. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... When you look at the amount of money they've, they're they're earning at the moment, then okay, they can afford to pay it. Uh, and fair enough. You just wonder. Uh, it's all obviously predicated on uh, on the growth never ending. Yeah, uh, and or, or at least this really high level of um, of income, you know, not not going down in any way. Yeah, and I just I wonder about that. I mean, I remember being at this uh, this thing. Um, it was a, it was a, you know the web so much they had had a thing yeah. uh, like it was actually 2014 uh, and there was a couple of TV uh, it, it was kind of a discussion about sports rights and there was a guy from BT Sport Irish guy God sorry that I can't remember his name right now but you know he was he was pretty interesting I mean he was basically saying look in our experience there is no like the sports rights don't lose value they don't go down. You know, I mean, and, and he kind of he it's like then, the housing market well, prices he, always go. The thing is, he said that he, he yeah. was like he was like, look, I know I am I am from Ireland. We have been through some, you know, we've had a couple of bubble <laughs> bubble issues here, and uh, so I do feel a little awkward saying this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that that's been our if you you know if you look at the history, that seems to be what happens. I just wonder, I do wonder about that though, because the the thing that's different about now compared to before is that it has never been easier to watch a HD broadcast of a football match for free. Yeah. You, you weren't able to do that before. Yeah. You literally, you can do that now. You know, you, it's any match. Any match you can... It's not like even streaming a couple of years ago where it was like, oh, this is a bit jumpy, you know, yeah. it, might, it might cut out at key moments. You can pretty much rely on this to work. And the TV companies have been a bit like the record companies when uh, Napster first came in. It was like, okay... We'll we'll try and shut all this down rather than embrace it. Interestingly, I think Sky this year are going to show gold clips uh, on, on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, in in the UK and Ireland. Well, so they, I mean, there's, I mean there's, but I mean, it it feels like it's a bit you know shutting the stable door after after yeah. the horse is bolted. Well, at least they're at least they're belatedly recognizing you know that people are just going to watch goals on Twitter and they might as well be the ones yeah showing it you know how they can whether they can make it pay to the level that they now have to pay the clubs is the is the interesting question because i mean the the fees are going up all the time i mean if you're a, i mean i'm a subscriber i'm pretty annoyed at the moment with this uh you know virgin have just taken bt sport and satanta off yeah but like in order to get them you know i have to like there's a lot of th- i have to either get sky and you know or get air yeah. and then and like basically pay uh, it's like the more I pay the less I can actually see yeah. meanwhile there's all this stuff online which is free well that's it I mean the 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 increased uh, what did they say you know when you have BT when you have Sky when they dole out the, the matches across the packages it's it's better for the consumer because you know it's more competitive ultimately though you've got to pay two you subscriptions pay you've yeah. got to pay for Sky then you've got to pay for BT and if you're in Ireland you've got to pay for Air or whatever it mm. is now which is fine I mean okay I'm going to I'm going to do that will everybody do that <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I've got, you know, you're paying like 140, 150 euros a month, and it's like, well, I could, like, could alternatively do this for free. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people decide to do that. And then you've got the, the then the question is, you know, to, to what level these come, and because it was obviously some fear and Sky's, mm. Sky's bid for the rights was so huge. Yeah. They were so desperate to keep them that 
you know, they, they've overpaid for them. Yeah. And now they've got to come up with the money. They've got to keep coming up with the money. Yeah. So clubs are just proceeding as though that's always going to be the case. Every time they, they you know, Yannick Bolassi joins Everton for 30 million. Okay, Everton have the money right now. Yannick Bolassi probably on a four or five year contract. He's on, I imagine, quite a lot of money. You know, as long as the money keeps coming in, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. As long as it keeps coming as in. As long as it keeps coming in. And it makes the transfer market a, a bit more interesting uh, domestically as well, certainly between Premier League clubs. I mean, you look at what uh, what happened with Arsenal and Jamie Vardy, for example. You know, so Arsenal go in, they, they activate his release clause, mm. uh, and ultimately he decides to turn it down for a better deal at Leicester City. Yeah. Uh, two years ago, three years ago, you know, maybe not even that long ago, if Arsenal had come in with that much money for a 29-year-old Leicester striker... Leicester booting him out the door. Uh, yeah, get out. You're yeah. not fucking staying. Yeah. But now, because the money makes... Clubs don't necessarily have to sell anymore, mm. so that that as well adds to the inflation. So if you really want to get a player, then you, you've you've got to pay, you know, what he's worth, and then a bit extra, and then maybe a bit more. The Vardy thing was amazing. I thought. I mean, that he decided that he would to stay, go for him. That he decided to stay with Leicester. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, I couldn't quite understand because the, the story broke on a Friday evening. I was sitting in town having a couple of pints. The story broke on a Friday evening, and the the journalist that broke the story was somebody who has uh, a relationship with Vardy that I think will become apparent in the very near future, right? So from a, a very well-placed source. So you've got to assume that that came with the blessing of, of Jamie Vardy. Now, whether it was just a tactic to get a better deal from Leicester or whether it was just a, I don't know why, but I thought it was remarkable that he stayed at Leicester as well. Well, it's, an, it's a really interesting kind of question. I mean, you've got this issue of loyalty, uh, you know, just, yeah, I think, but I mean, you know, let's see where did you see Tony Hibbert the other day? Yeah, yeah, thought, Tony Hibbert. God, like 25 years of loyal service, never even asking for a pay rise, and then just cut like he finds out off the website. Yeah, that's loyalty, that's where loyalty gets you. Well, that's the thing, it works both ways in football club. People talk about or give out about players being loyal, but the minute a club doesn't want a player, it's like they're just discards. The yeah, it's, it's really harsh. But in Vardy's case, it's it's not, it's I mean. The ambitious, the, the 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 classically ambitious thing to do would be to join Arsenal and say, "All right, you know, I'm now going to join a bigger club, play in a bigger stadium, um, with arguably better players." I mean, I know the table doesn't lie or whatever, but you know, you can say this is a this is a career progression. Yeah, I'm going to keep keep kind of moving up. Um, and realistically, Leicester are not going to win the league again. And like, are they going to win the Champions League? Are you serious? But there is like a one percent sort of insane ambition which says yeah Leicester are going to win the Champions League uh, you know why, why 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 not give that a go you know why not give, like that's kind of it seems almost that that's like there's, there's no other good justification for doing it if, if it's either he's chickened out he's chickened out of moving to a place where he might get found out yeah or he genuinely thinks Leicester can have an even better season than the one they just had uh, I, yeah I think it's the first and I think obviously out. yeah and the money I think it's the money. Well, Arsenal presumably were going to pay him. Well, well maybe, they were going to pay him. Pay yeah, more. I mean, I think Leicester giving him a four-year deal. Arsenal were going to give him a three-year deal, which is reasonable for a 29-year-old striker. But maybe a year on another 140 grand a week that Leicester can afford to pay him now because of this money is is worth it to him. Didn't Arsenal just offer him? I don't. I don't like, know. For the sake of know. for the sake of an extra year. I listen. I don't know. I can't make any sense of what Arsenal do in the transfer market. What are the they doing with all the money? I don't know. 
I don't know. I mean, it's really weird now sitting here because, you know, uh, everybody knows and Arsene Wenger said that Arsenal need a striker and they haven't bought a striker yet. And of course, the injury to Mertesacker, the injury to Gabriel means that the central defensive issue is quite a worrying one going into the opening day of the season against mm. against Liverpool. So he brings Koscielny back early or, you know, he plays uh, Rob Holding in Callum Chambers or uses Nacho Monreal as a centre half none of which is really ideal so it's 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 hard to make any sense of it particularly in the light of the the, the signing of Xhaka Granit Xhaka mm. who they bought for 35 million pounds in May which is like that's a really good start to the Mm-mm-mm. to the transfer window so I do wonder I'm trying to figure out like if they wanted any old striker just any striker like a Wilfred Boney or a you know somebody like that they could have got that by now so the the little straw that that I'm clutching at or clinging to maybe I'm being hopelessly optimistic or just you know the, the only thing that makes any kind of sense in my head is that they're trying for something that's really really complicated and difficult yeah. and might require a few other things to to fall into place but I do, I don't understand gen generally why they don't act with greater uh, decisiveness. Yeah, I mean, because <clears throat> Vardy is a good player. Vardy definitely, and Vardy is the kind of player they don't have. Uh, and he's got the kind of attitude that is maybe not as prevalent in the, you know, there's a kind of collegiate atmosphere in the Arsenal team. Yeah. Um, Vardy's like, we all know what Vardy's like. Shiru <laughs> um, is, I mean, I just, I, I think Wenger's very indulgent with Shiru. You know, I was talking in the Euros to an American uh, journalist who was saying we were talking about this. Uh, he, we were talking about what happens. You, you post articles online and which fans get the most annoyed, and he reckoned the Arsenal fans were the most annoying, <laughs> and that Giroud was kind of the real hot button issue. And we decided that there are actually two really annoying kinds of Arsenal fans online: those who think Giroud is shit, and those who think Giroud is brilliant. There's basically all of the, the the two kind of strands of insane Arsenal opinion can be each. They always fit into one of those two camps. You know, he, yeah. he's either he's a total waste of money. He's complete. You know, he's a total waste of space. Or you know, oh, haven't you seen his expected goals? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, Giroud is Giroud is top is a top player. You know, Giroud is is fine. He's okay. He's he's all right, but you know we all know that he's going to have a a ten game spell where he didn't do anything, and yeah. he's going to have those games where everything starts going wrong in the first minute, and he becomes more and more anguished. And you can you know you can see it. He he's very open about his emotions. You can you can see when he's having one of those games. Yeah, it's, you know, ten minutes in, this is not going to be. This is one of those days. He's looking for, at the sky again. Here yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah, on. but I mean, look, the, the, I I agree. You know, the the issue I, I don't think is Giroud necessarily. I think it's the lack of options or alternatives when Giroud does go through those spells. Yeah. You know that? I mean, he's a guy, uh, last season he scored uh, 31 goals for club and country, which is a pretty good return mm. uh, for a striker. Um, but, you know, he had that spell where he scored two in 20 games, something like that, two goals in 22 games. And Arsene Wenger kept playing him because he didn't have anyone else that he wanted to play up front. He didn't trust Theo Walcott. Mm. Uh, Alexis was playing or was injured for for a spell of that as well. And I think, you know, he gets a little bit of the the stick um, that should be directed perhaps towards uh, the manager 
not that I'm saying that he doesn't get any anyway, mm. but just the fact that there isn't the alternative there in the Arsenal squad, somebody a little bit better. People, uh, I think people will reasonably say Giroud would be a great option to have in your squad if you had another striker in there who could who could score more clinically and more efficiently. Yeah, I mean he's good at some, he's good at certain things, you know. Mm. Um, but you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's like Wenger seems to have it's it's weird actually. He's got such a high standard when it comes to players he thinks maybe he's thinking about bringing in yeah and yet is so kind of indulgent with the ones that he's already got you know it's it's like why don't you uh, I mean it's not like he targets bad players I mean the, it was it Higuain he wanted kind of last year or the year before he yeah was it was the Suarez year actually yeah. that would have been a great signing yeah you know it would, oh, have, yeah, been, yeah, would yeah. have been great yeah. but you know even even with Higuain a player of that sort of standard he wasn't quite willing to wasn't willing to push the boat out but yeah. then he did change tack. I mean, they were after Higuain, and then they decided to do the forty million and one thing with Suarez. So they sort of changed their minds, and then he went off to to Napoli. But I think the smart thing to do that, you know, with hindsight, the smart thing to do that summer would have been to to bring in to bring in Higuain. But then, yeah, you're right. You know, he does indulge some of the players. You look at somebody like Theo Walcott. Mm. Have you seen the Walcott stuff over the last few days? I saw him score a nice goal against Man City. It was great. Yeah. But you know the way Walcott's been talking about how he wants to be a striker. He's Does always been talking about Yeah, that. I always want to be. I'm a centre forward. I see myself as a striker. Last week he came out and said, yeah, don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I want to make my place on the right-hand side. Okay. And Arsene Wenger came out and said, not going to play him on the right-hand side because defensively he's not good enough. He's a striker and I think he's going to have a good season as a striker. And then brought him on against Manchester City and played him on the right-hand side <laughs> where he was really, really good. Yeah. So it's just this uh, confusing sort of indulgence uh, w- with some of those players. I mean, he, you know, I don't think he's a striker. I mean, he, he might have been a striker in the 90s. You know, he might have been he might have been able to Off play a big four man. four two exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think he's a four four two striker. I mean, and, and teams a lot of teams are playing four four two now. Maybe even Arsenal Arsenal never really changed from four two three one four three three, do they? I mean, it's always the same. Um, yeah, it has been for the last long time. It used to be four four two back when they were winning the league. Yeah, but like you know, I don't I don't see Walcott as the kind of guy, kind of guy who can play at the top of no. a team like that. No, um, but as a right sided player, as a guy who runs through the defence from a deeper position that's obviously what he is so you know yeah. it's glad that he's I'm glad that he's finally accepting what he is at this late stage of his yeah but Arsene Wenger doesn't think he's that and doesn't pick him there hasn't picked him there for you know the best part of 18 months this is what I mean this is why it's like well, he why? just wants to keep him guessing you know <laughs> just never wants him to keep Theo on his toes yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so what, what do you make of the, the new managerial arrivals and obviously Mourinho at United and Guardiola at Manchester City is going to be it's going to be a very interesting dynamic mm. um, Mourinho we, we spoke about him last summer and you were talking about his he seems to be going a bit he crazy. He seems to be going a bit crazy. And, you know, we've seen a couple of signs of that recently. He's hit out at Jurgen Klopp and Arsene Wenger, who made pretty reasonable comments, I thought, about the transfer of Paul Pogba. You know, this idea that you can't say anything when somebody asks you about yeah. what's going to be the world record transfer. Yeah. And they were both pretty reasonable about it, but he's gone off on well, it a I couple thought, of times. I thought Klopp was a bit sanctimonious about it, actually. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, Wenger said something quite. He didn't really say much. He just said, "Oh, it's, it's ridiculous" or something. He said, it. "It's crazy if you can't yeah. afford it. If you can afford it, you can justify it." Yeah. Whereas what Klopp said was, uh, "Yeah, this isn't football." And, oh, did he? I thought I, even even if I could even if I could buy a player for this much, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it that way. 
I would yeah. try to do it. I would try to do it this way. Spend the more money, like spread it out. It's about the team, you know. It's yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. Football is a game. Where, you know, we play together. It's not all about you know right, one guy right, coming right, right. in and he's Batman. You know, it's not. It's not the way it works. <laughs> and and I, I mean, while I, you know, well, well, I think that's a totally fair point of view from Jurgen Klopp. I do think it's a bit sanctimonious to to say even if I could do that, I wouldn't do it that way. I think that's the wrong way. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. He could. And you know what you're going to get with Mourinho if you say anything which is remotely. Can be interpreted as an insult in any way. Yeah, you know he's he's gonna, he he's going to react. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he did before that. He did in the press conference before the community shield, and then he did again. Mm. Um, he did like an interview with MUTV, I think, and and he and he made a point of going back to it to say, you know, these people like they uh, they'll never have this problem because you know in order to have this problem you have to be at one of the biggest clubs in the world, so they'll never have this problem. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem that only the manager of Manchester United has. You know. Yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, we we all know what Mourinho is like at this stage. Uh, he's trying to do a kind of Alex Ferguson impression at the moment. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you saw his interview after the Community Shield. It went on for like six minutes. No, I didn't. Started out being very Fergie-like, kind of business-like sort of, yeah. But then got into it and started, just started talking about himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's he, not like him. <laughs> and he talks, talks about the team, you know, I. The team is, he talks about it in, using the personal pronoun, yeah. I. For his team, when we when he means we are we are winning two one, he says I'm winning two one. Yeah, uh, which is just a maddening tick. I mean, he must know. Like, I don't know why he does it. It's because he's an egomaniac, he, narcissist. He, That's why. It's because everything has to revolve around him, one way or the other. There's no. I mean, he is. He can focus on the team, and he can get his team playing really well. But you know, you look at what he did to Juan Mata, yeah. and that's just like him saying, look, look at what I can do. Yeah, look what man. I can do. Yeah, exactly. Bullying. The, yeah, the exactly. Guy. Bullying the smallest guy. And probably the fucking nicest guy at Manchester United. <laughs> You're going, you fucking, you know, pick on somebody who's like at least an asshole. Do it to Rooney. Like, look, let's see that happen. But Well, I, I'm, I can't wait to see how that's all going to unfold. Mourinho and Rooney, because, you know, Rooney's performance levels have obviously just, yeah. you know, they're just getting worse and worse. And, and like the the vital indicators are just about just about adequate. You know, if you look on paper, oh, what did he score? I mean, I think he only scored nine goals or something, but you know, decent number of assists and yeah. Mm, you know, it's, how it's, many key passes did he have? I wouldn't. You know, I, I, I'm not sure how how long Mourinho's going to indulge him. No, I, I don't know. I mean, the thing about Mourinho, like he the he's already since he's moved to. United, he's already started sort of laying down law a little bit and mm. like dominating Ed Woodward a bit. Like uh, that, there was that brilliant. Did you see the the clip just the day he arrived at Manchester United and they filmed him coming into I think it could have been Carrington or into maybe Old Trafford or something like that. His first day there was this with Bobby Charlton. And- I, there could have been like I can't remember, but he he walks in and he's like shaking everybody's hand and he like walked past Woodward deliberately. <laughs> And didn't shake his hand, and then like, oh, I already seconds, shook his hand. Ten seconds later, went ah, ah, oh, okay. and shook his hand. But oh. it was like, it was real. Like I'm the boss here. Hilarious, hilarious. I mean, you saw the the Bobby Charlton was there, like uh, uh, having to sort of greet him and say, "I'm very happy that you're here," <laughs> you know. And and they filmed this, and it was Woodward kind of standing there proudly grinning at the other this. But they they were over in China, and Marina was incredibly pissed off. And he was like, this, what this Chinese 
uh, tour is bullshit. You know, yeah. that was basically what he was saying with every, with every scowl <laughs> and pout. Uh, and he's like, this isn't preseason. You know, this isn't, a, this isn't proper preseason. You know, my aim here is to get my, get my players out alive. You know, the conditions here are probably, I, I just want to avoid injuries. If it was a friendly, it's a double friendly now, you know, um, so much for this is against Man City against against Guardiola yeah. um, in the Bird's Nest Stadium. You know, there's how many tickets the match ended up being cancelled. Yeah, but he was just so open in his contempt for this money making the jaunt that they're forced to go on. You know, sure. he he wasn't sort of taking it quietly. And I was kind of like, this is your first, this is your first money making tour. You know, this is kind of yeah, this is your job, it's like I, part of the gig, man. But he's already kind of already laying out. We haven't had a proper preseason because of this bullshit. Yeah. So it's it's there. It's, it's in the bank. And if it needs to be withdrawn, if there's a bad result for Manchester United in the first couple of weeks, I think maybe China is going to be factored. But just just it's there. Everyone's card is marked. This is bullshit. Yeah. We've already had to we've already had to do this crap. Mm. And uh, I just I don't know. It's it's you can. I, I'm sure that it will go well. I mean, it, it should go well for Manchester United this this season. I mean, look at the—they've broken the world record. Yeah. To, to sign Pogba, they've signed Zlatan, who's still a good player. You know, they've signed Mkhitaryan, who's fantastic. Yeah. You know, Bailey looked—at least he looks like he has the makings of a good defender. You know, in the in the Community Shield. Yeah. Um, so they spent a lot of money. They've bought good players. They should be hugely improved. And obviously, they've got the magic man in Jose Mourinho, who's got a reputation to to preserve or rebuild. Yeah. So you would you would expect this season to go well, but nevertheless, he's still making sure that yeah he's got things to point the finger at. Uh, he's already making sure they haven't played a game yet. Yeah. Haven't played a proper game yet. There you go. That was part one of my chat with Ken Early from Second Captains. We'll have part two a little bit later on in the show. Don't forget, we'll also be talking to the Muck Smasher ahead of the Liverpool game on Sunday. Right now, though, we're going to talk about fantasy football and fan duel. Now, I should just point out that this is only available in the UK just at this moment in time. So those of you who are outside the UK... Uh, this is a good moment for you to go and make a cup of tea, get a sandwich, uh, make an old-fashioned, make a Manhattan. What's your favorite cocktail? Go and make a cocktail right now. And by the time you come back, I'll have finished explaining all this to the people who are in the UK. What, it's, I know it's only eight in the morning, but still, you have my permission to have a cocktail. It's fine. So look, fantasy football, it's kind of annoying because you've got to pick a team, right? And then you've got to go through a whole season. You've got to look at injuries. You've got to keep changing your team. And it's a pain. It's a pain. And nobody can, nobody's into that. Who's got the time? It's so much hassle. But one day or one weekend fantasy football is what fans will do. So what you do is you pick your team from this weekend's fixtures. Any formation you like, you just stay under the salary cap. Each player has a certain salary. It's a hundred million pounds. You pick your team and then you enter it into various competitions. Uh, what you can do is you can put your own money on the line or you can play for free and you can win money either way. So what I've done this weekend is I've entered into the 15k fan favorite, which has an entry fee of seven pounds, uh, top prize of £1,000 and the top 612 players win money in that game and also the 2K opening day special which has an entry fee of £2 and the uh, top prize is £200 and the top 277 out of let's say just over a 1000 they get they get a prize so if you're any good at fantasy football chances are you could win some real money at this thing I'm not very good at it I'll tell you my team right Uh, my team that I've entered into both of these competitions is uh, Fraser Forster 
Williams, I think it's Ashley Williams, uh, Walshite, Jonas Olsen, that's my defence, uh, in midfield, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson, Shakiri. Them hips don't lie. Glenn Whelan, and then up front to get me goals, Shane Long, Troy Deeney, and Sergio Aguero. Now, players, all the players uh, earn points for the things that they do on the pitch. So, score a goal, you get a certain amount of points, uh, make an assist, uh, number of passes you create, or number of passes you complete, etc., etc., etc. You can also lose points by getting a yellow card and a red card. Typical fantasy football stuff, and you can keep track of it live in the app. So, uh, what you want to do is download the app and sign up for FanDuel with the promo code code arsblog and what FanDuel will do is refund your entry fee if you lose up to 10 pounds so you could enter both those the uh the 15k fan favorite or the 2k opening day special and you could win yourself some real money and of course you can play for free as well if you would like to get the app go to the app store for ios you can get it for ipad and iphone and for android go to fanduel.co.uk forward slash android and you can download and install the app manually and of course if you don't want to do either of those things you can play via the website fanduel.co.uk so check it out one day fantasy football you can win yourself loads of money and if you sign up with the uh, code arsblog then you will get your uh, you'll get your entry fee refunded if you lose but you're not going to lose i'm sure you're not going to lose uh, so if you do uh, do it and you win some money on it will you tell me on twitter uh, and and we can keep an eye on uh, how many arsblog people are playing this and see who's winning money and see who's going to be the best and maybe uh, as the weeks go on we can set up an arsblog or an arscast specific uh, fanjuel league we'll see we'll see how it all goes so check it out fanjuel.co.uk and sign up with the code arsblog quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature sleep number smart beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Arsenal Football Club have today signed a world-class striker. Dick Dickie Dicklinson from Dicklington Town Rovers joins for a fee of seven farthings threepence halfpenny. The 16-stone hotshot got 42 goals for Rovers in their relegation season last year. Chairman Sir Chips Keswick said, I've never heard of the cunt, but he's got to be better than Giroud. The player is due to fail his medical on Monday.
Right, don't forget, a bit later we'll be looking at the Arsenal-Liverpool game, the opening game of the Premier League season with the Mug Smasher a bit later on in the show and also trying to preview the game a little bit and trying to figure out what kind of a team is Arsene Wenger going to pick on the opening day given the defensive uh, decisions that he has to make. So that's coming a little bit later on in the show. But now let's get back to the conversation with Ken Early and uh, we pick up when I was asking him about, well, how's it going to go down in Manchester with Pep Guardiola and Jose Mourinho there and you know it's fair to say they don't like each other much how do you think it's going to go with I mean him and and, and Guardiola I mean whatever about Barcelona and Real Madrid where you have the distance of you know mainland Spain between you uh, the two of them in the same city uh, I'm pretty sure not the best of friends in any way and obviously the rivalry between the two clubs uh, I mean, at what point is is Mourinho going to gouge out Mikel Arteta's eye and give him cancer? <laughs> I think, uh, I think uh, probably at an early stage. I suppose it depends on how they play and yeah. how the two, because the the two teams are so different. Um, like Mourinho's Manchester United is already taking shape along very orthodox lines. You know, mm. he's got like a big a big lad who can stick the ball in the net. <laughs> you know he's he's got like a quick center half a big uh world record midfielder yeah. <laughs> you know it's not like he's really it's not like oh uh, let wait you see what i'm cooking throwing together these unexpected ingredients you know to come up with this sort of alchemy it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, most expensive player in the world most one of the most famous center forwards in the world you know one of the top players in germany over the last 3 years and uh okay bailey is is not exactly you know, he's he's not like one of those players, but you know he's still an expensive, sort of highly rated. Sure. You know, whereas what Guardiola is doing is like no one knows what kind of team this is going to be. You know, look at the signings he's he's made. You know, Gabriel Jesus, kind of un, un, unknown quantity, really. Uh, Leroy Sané is he? You know, another really young player. I mean, they've already got Sterling and De Bruyne, really young, sort of uh, very versatile attackers that you know you don't know what kind of shape they're going to play you don't know what type of football really they're going to play because you know whether you, whether you could say well Guardiola plays a particular like Andy Tate you know at least he brought a Barca style of play yeah. he doesn't the, at Bayern Munich it was a lot more um, there, it was a lot more mixed up you know he he would do one thing in one game another thing in another game yeah. it's more unpredictable and, there's, and it's a lot more uh do you think it'll take him a bit more time to impose his... Of course. I mean, he's got a whole load of new players. He's got players there last season who didn't perform and underachieve. So it might take him some time to stamp his imprint on, on the team. Oh, it's going to have to because, I mean, it's the worst team that he's ever managed. I mean, the, the Man City that mm. finished the, the the season last season was just yeah. completely gone. His team yeah. is gone. It's finished. The half, most of these players are too old. They've the, Their best days, their big achievements are behind them. Yeah. And... How are they going to react now? Guardiola comes in, a manager who demands that they work. They've had the last three years of Pellegrini, fairly relaxed guy, kind of old school trainer. Yeah. Guardiola comes in, he's, you know, a lunatic who demands this insane intensity. Uh, how are these guys really going to react? You know, they're all so rich. They've won a lot of stuff. Yeah. They're kind of getting to, towards the end. But okay, he's obviously freshening things up a lot. You don't know how these players are going to adapt. You don't know where he's going to play them, who the team is going to be to start off with. Uh, how they're going to adapt to 
you know, I mean, you saw Fabian Delph. Do you see Fabian Delph's comment? I've learned more under Guardiola in three weeks than I did in my entire career to that to that point. <laughs> did he say that? He said that. <laughs> and I thought, well, I mean, he's obviously sucking up to the new boss, which is you know, but it could it probably works. be true though. Well. It could be true. It would be. It would be a bad thing to say about Fabian Delph if that was true. I mean, well, how, how unobservant under? is Fabian Delph? But who has he worked under? I mean, who, who, who are the managers? He's got he his own two eyes and I brain. I know, I know that. But like, yeah, okay, maybe there's an element of sucking up. Well, but you know, you true. Really, maybe Paul Lambert isn't necessarily. Yeah, and Tim Sherwood or yeah. whoever it was, uh, and Pellegrini, I'm sure is a, is a, is a good coach. It's but true. you know, Guardiola's. Uh, if you've read the book, um, Confidential. yeah, it's just like it's mind blowing the is, way yeah. that it, not so much what he does, but how he thinks. It's like there's a I don't know. It's it's almost savant like in a way yeah, yeah. that he has these ideas that he focuses and the way that he imposes them on his teams is really really interesting. Did you but, think though? Like, was there a bit? What did you think of that book? I really enjoyed it just to sort of get behind the scenes of it. I thought it was really interesting. It was obviously coming from a very friendly place yeah. because of the access yeah, that yeah, he yeah. was given. You tried, and, you tried that for access. And, so. Yeah, you know. Um, I but I thought I, there were, you know, there were moments where you're kind of going, fucking chill out, man. You're playing <laughs> you're playing Mainz yeah. tomorrow and you're Bayern Munich and you're drilling them for three days on a five-man midfield, uh, you know, based on the 17 hours of watching video of Mainz that you've done. You know, I know there's got to be, a, a you know, some opposition work, but, you know, you can probably go just a bit too far the other way. You can do. And, and there's something about this repeated sort of narrative of, you know, Pep uh, going into his his lonely, you know, his analysis uh studio and yeah. like, you know just like clutching his head and staring at the screen like watching the tapes over and over what's you know what's, where is their weakness where is the weakness <laughs> and then eventually he has this eureka moment he has this eureka moment it's and he goes like, oh that's it and like runs out and like yeah, players players get together come on you know we all need to get together it's like an episode field. of it's like an episode of house where they finally figure out what it is that's making this person ill the same thing happens in, in every episode and and it's like and and it's like this pep the genius has has done it again you yeah. know this is like and now okay pep obviously has a uh, as a coach, he he sees that as his. This is the contribution I'm making. You know, Lewandowski's job is to score. My job is to think of a plan. Yeah, and, and I and, and I do that for every game, and that's you know that's that's how he sees the job. But there's something a little kind of, you know, is that really what being a yeah coach is all about? There's something. The sort of genius narrative was a bit. Oh come yeah. on, and, I, and okay, it it played it played okay in Barcelona. I mean, in Barcelona, he was like a hugely popular. They're into that. They're into just conceptually the way that they look at football. They're really into it, and they're they're into it in in other fields as well. I mean, it's like you know, there's stuff in it about uh, uh, is it Ferran Adria, the the chef? Oh, the chef, yeah, 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 El Bulli, yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, he, him and Guardiola are kind of like the same. You know, yeah. we're, we're we're like at the top of at the absolute top of the game, he, like he reinventing is, food. Yeah, he's the football <laughs> foam olive that just bursts onto your plate yeah, as you take but it. Yeah, yeah. They, they love that. They, you yeah. know, it's it's, a, it's a more it's just more intellectual culture. And in Germany, there was there was definitely a reverence for Guardiola. You know, he'd come from mm. this like massive success, like football that no one's ever seen. Since he's been in Germany, it was a bit more. Well, you know, Bayern didn't win the Champions League, and they won the league, sure. But like as Jose says, the kit man could win the league. <laughs> was it really all that great? When in England, which is frankly an anti-intellectual culture, where this, the, you know, like you know, Pep hanging out in New York with Gary Kasparov, you know, yeah, and they're talking about like the similarities between football and chess, you know, and that there's there's like some there's some lines from Kasparov, and you're just like. 
oh my god like this yeah. is just this is fucking hilarious like if in in the environment of english football where you've got like journalists who are just there to I don't want to say troll. That's that that because that would be doing them down. Like, but that is part of the job. Yeah, they're part. not they're not looking for the tactical insight. No. They're looking for the headline. This yeah. is entertainment. Yeah. Right? In, in England, football is entertainment. You know, it's not like it's not an intellectual pursuit. It's not like it's not like chess or fucking scientific astronomy. You know, it's it's yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a big show that you know is kind of a laugh. Sure, as that's that's what people are thinking. Pep comes in and he's like this kind of, you know. Uh, trying to take things to the next level. I just think that there's going to be a little bit of like, uh, you know, flicking of spitballs. You know, a sort of uh, who does this guy think he is? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And and a joy in his every setback, yeah. which I don't think he will he will be accustomed. He's where has he had that before? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. he had he had sure he, he often refers to the Madrid press and it's the the crazy press in Spain, the Catalans like going mad, you know, at, at, at like Barcelona draw and everyone's mm. going nuts. What's going wrong? Why? When did everything fall apart? <laughs> and uh, you know, the Madrid press just like this kind of Trump like you know <laughs> thing, you know, like uh, just pouring out this propaganda, you know, this black yeah. propaganda, and and that's difficult to deal with. But like, how do he deal with just the kind of the sun. scorn, the kind of the the ridicule and trolling, which I'm sure he's going to get. Look, yeah. at this, look at this guy. Now, how there's something deep in the heart of I'd say a good 52 percent of English people that would love nothing more than just to see Pep just let egg all over his face. You yeah. know, oh, you know, you couldn't handle it. It turned out you couldn't handle it at Stoke. You know, you couldn't handle it. Or yeah, wherever well, look, the uh, Stoke is you now. see, I think you see that, you know, with Arsenal to a certain extent, that that's been a a, a story throughout Wenger's uh, reign at, at Sit Arsenal. Sit down, you yeah, pedophile. Yeah. That image of uh, Arsene Wenger is standing with his arms raised in front of all those Man United fans. I mean, that's like... yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know? Well, look, let's uh, let's very quickly touch on Arsenal before we before we finish. You said last season or last summer Arsenal should win the league. What what should they do this season, or what what way do you think they're placed? Well, I think it's going to be difficult now. It's more difficult this year than it was last year because the because I think Man United are going to. Well, I'm going to say that now. Are they your favourites or? <sighs> you have to. I suppose it's hard to see. I mean. If these if these guys, the the three big players they've signed, the three you know Pogba, McTarry, and Ibrahimovic, mm. if they all play the way that they played last season, then Manchester United will be a lot stronger, a lot stronger than they were. Yeah, um, how they will all fit in, you know, I suppose remains to be seen. You know whether they'll all stay fit remains to be seen. But you would expect them to be stronger, and you know Mourinho's teams usually do well at first. I mean, you look back through his career, you know, he usually starts quite quickly it's because he's not trying to do anything complicated yeah it's not like you know pep okay i'm going to teach you you're going to learn more in this three weeks than you have in your entire career you know it's yeah. not like that it's like you all know what this is about you know we've got we're going to have a big lad up top we're going to stick crosses into him you know we're going to get we're going to get up after the ball we're going to whack it at the goal <laughs> as many times as we can and you know then, then we're going to yeah sit back and and uh and Defend counter like and went to yeah. nil you yeah. know it's it's basic. Yeah, uh, people should be able to grasp it. I mean, they've they've had two years of Van Hal trying to teach them how to play a different way. I'd say, you know, with, I mean, Lingard. I saw Lingard saying something like, "Oh, you know, he lets us play with freedom." And I thought, well, uh, yeah, wait for it. <laughs> let's wait. Let's wait and see. But maybe after Van Hal, that's how it feels. Yeah, it actually does feel that way because with Mourinho, his attitude, uh, 
he, you know, you read that, you read that uh, Diego Torres book, um, and the Madrid players talking about, you know, he worked on, on the defense all the time, worked in defensive shape all the time. And if you watch him during a game, he only watches the defense. He doesn't watch the game. He watches his back four yeah, or his, yeah. you know, his back five, the, the midfielder. He wants to make sure that they're in the right position all the time. And he, and, and the vast majority of the interventions he will make when he comes to shouts of the team, he's shouting at the defense, what the fuck are you doing? You know, it's, mm. it's, that's his, that's what he's, his area of interest. As for the other end of the field, well, you're the footballers. You know, you want me, to, you want me to stick the ball in the net for you as well? You know, you're, you, you're, you're the guys who are getting paid, you know, 10 million a year. You, you score. You figure out what you're doing. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's his attitude. Whereas Guardiola is more like, oh, you know, we, we move the ball from, uh, from this third to the, to the <laughs> next third. You know, in the, in the final third, you can play with freedom. You know, Thierry Henry's best bits on, on Sky are all where he talks about Guardiola. You can, you can actually see the resentment from Thierry Henry. I think. He's like, you know, I, basically I was supposed to be on the left, but I came across to the right, scored a goal, and immediately got subbed off. <laughs> you know, Guardiola's like, no, that's not what we do. You know, your job is to, is to keep the shape. Yeah. Mourinho's like... Yeah, mm. that's he just views that as, as stupid. Sure, but Van Hal was a coach more along those lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe now these United players, at least for now, are thinking, "Well, this is this is great. We can we can kind of try things." I yeah. mean, Mourinho will eventually knock that out of them because they, his other thing is basically you don't run forward unless you can run back. You don't d- do not take any gamble that might result in you being caught out of position. This is why, like Eden Hazard, always annoyed him so much because yeah. Hazard would do it all the time. Um, and that's the kind of that they'll have to internalize that kind of restraint. Sure. And that eventually Lingard will maybe look back in that quote and go, I can't believe I ever said that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but for the time being, it might, it might work. I mean, I keep talking about them. Um, there's United, the city, um, there's Tottenham who, you know, Tottenham seemed really broken. Their, I saw their head of recruitment has left. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, mean, I must have been heartbreaking, as heartbreaking for them as it was hilarious for me. Yeah, and yeah. then and then they all went and and the same thing happened to them in the Euros. Yeah, and played really badly. Yeah, absolute shocker. Like I mean, uh, Harry Kane just yeah, you know, talk about. I mean, we were talking about Wes Morgan earlier. You know, yeah, I hope, yeah, yeah. I hope the same thing isn't. No, I mean, Harry Kane is is better than that, but it's I I, I find it hard to see. I find it hard. To, I mean, who knows? You know, maybe that kind of disappointment is the kind of. The motivator, the thing that will maybe come on, but but you know, but then that could be true of all the teams, yeah. That the underperformed last season. I mean, so. we haven't mentioned Liverpool at all. Yeah. Liverpool are quite interesting this season. I think. Uh, I mean, what they've gone for is just uh, uh, athleticism. You know, they've gone for. Yeah, I mean, do you think he's 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 gone out and bought players because he resisted in January, didn't he? I don't think he brought anybody in in Colker, January. I think. Uh, yeah. Well, or, or maybe or, was Colker alone even before that? Right, short. but essentially he's. He's got a way that he wants his teams to play mm. and the way that he wants his players to perform. So you look at somebody like Van Aldem, who's come from, from Newcastle, been relegated. You're going, you know, is that a guy? But obviously he's identified players who can fit better into the system that he wants to play than the ones he's, he's got already. I mean, how many have Liverpool brought in? Five or six? Yeah, quite a yeah. few. Um, you know, Van Aldem, um, Mane, uh, uh, Marco Grujic, who's had a very good preseason. Yeah. Uh, who else? One of the Estonia defenders from when Ireland beat Estonia 4-0. Um, oh, that's good. Ragnar Kovan. Oh, uh, is, is he the injured guy? Is he injured or is he going to play on no, he's, Sunday? No, he's still... He, he, he was playing... Um, they played Barcelona on, on Saturday. Oh, right, was okay. playing. oh, it was the keeper that got injured. Joel Matip. It was the goalkeeper, yeah. yeah. Sir, you've got, Sir Loris. You've, Sir Loris. <laughs> but yeah. you've got uh, Alex Manningus, so that's okay. 
Um, Alex Manninger. Yeah, and I mean, if, if Mignolet is going to play a couple of um, couple of months, uh, that's obviously not good. But <laughs> well, I mean, you, you mentioned Vinalum. The thing about Vinalum is that he is uh, actually a gymnast. He's not really a football player. I mean, he is a football player now, but he he wasn't when he was a kid. You know, he wasn't really into it. He was he was kind of into gymnastics, and I think you can really see that in his. He, he's a really good physically. He is a top player. Yeah, uh, footballingly, footballistically, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure. But in terms of a guy who can get on the ball, who can run uh, mm. all day, who can run, jump, twist, turn, shield the ball, yeah, um, be a presence in the game in midfield. He's got all that. It's a question of whether they can teach him how to be a top level footballer. That's mm. the question. Mane is, you know, physically. Um, Another really outstanding player, you know, can sprint all day. He was part of this Red Bull Salzburg team um, that did quite well. Before, Southampton bought him after the season he had with Red Bull, yeah. who were managed by Roger Schmidt, the guy, the Leverkusen coach. He's another one of these, you know, pressing machine mm. uh, German coaches. Sure. Um, so he's ideally adapted to play the type of, like, understands exactly what Klopp is looking for. He doesn't have to be told and is capable of doing it in a way that, say, you know, Adam Lalana, a player who, um, I mean, Alana seems to actually be a bit of a favourite with with Klopp, but you know, a player who apparently is good at taking instruction and kind of learns quickly. Yeah. But when you look at it, is is like an underpowered, under speeded, you know, undersized. Yeah. He's the spirit. Lightweight. Is, the spirit is willing, but you know, Mane on the other hand is a guy who can really um, cause a lot of problems for defenders. I mean, they haven't. It's it's like we, the only time we mentioned Klopp was in, in relation to that Mourinho thing. Mm. They haven't got anyone. They haven't got any Pogba's, or you know, they haven't even got any Mkhitaryan's really. Yeah. But they do have a lot of players, and they've got a lot of athletic players and players who are adapted to play the type of style they're looking for. Yeah, exactly. But was that not what they more had to do this this summer was to bring in the players who can maybe get them into the top four, and at that point, then they can perhaps attract. Not a Pogba, but, you know, players of, of slightly higher stature. Yeah, I mean, it can yeah. be done. It's obviously the Leicester template is the most realistic one for them. Um, yeah. But, you know, they don't have to play in Europe. Um, they've got a big, they've got a really big squad. I mean, that's one of the things someone was saying after the Europa, I was at the Europa League final and one of the Liverpool players was saying, uh, we got to see what happens. Maybe it was Benteke, actually. I mean, Benteke, who, who is, is, is going to Palace by all accounts, but mm. uh, saying, yeah, you know we're not we're not in Europe now, and we've got we've got a massive squad. Like they have a huge, they they have, they have a squad which was which was adapted to a, a season with that many games. And yeah, I think Klopp had fifty four games after taking over from Rodgers, which is like ridiculous. Um, so they've they're going to have a lot of like underutilized and unhappy players. On the other hand, they should also have a lot of fresh players yeah. and really no excuses for not performing consistently. Yeah, well, it's going to be a very interesting Premier League season. Mm. Looking forward to. It. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. I really can't wait for it to start. Um, just been, uh, just been waiting for something to happen. You know, it's just because right. um, something's happened that isn't like uh, <laughs> just talking about stuff that isn't happening. Or Paul Pogba, yeah. you know, Pog back. You know these videos and Jesus <sighs> Christ. See, we're sounding like a couple of fucking granddads here now. Yeah, but, but you this know. is just come on. Yeah. Come <laughs> this, on. this is the way the world the, works. There now. was a, th- a piece the other day by Jack Pitt Brook. I don't know if you saw it. It was quite good, but he was saying he, it was about like uh, Pogba arriving and you know the relationship between Pogba and Mourinho. Yeah, and Mourinho does when he's not being a total egomaniac. 
which is, you know, all the time. But he also does like to strike the pose of being a real football man, like an old school football man yeah. along the lines of Tony Pulis. And, <laughs> and he, you know, he kind of despises this like showy individuality while at the same time being, you know, the, the most egotistical individual there's ever been in coaching in any yeah. sport. Um, but, it was it was kind of on that theme of what you know how is he gonna how is he gonna handle Pogba who is like such a kind of hyper modern footballer he's a, he's a brand and, it's and like, a footballer and Jack was saying basically you know Pogba has always been obsessed with and has always been saying to his friends I want to win the Ballon d'Or I want to win the Ballon d'Or and I was like you you can't be serious like this is what you know what about like the World Cup what about what about Champions League what about a yeah. trophy yeah. a trophy that you get for playing football well I mean this was a Ballon d'Or is is that in a sense but it's like uh, but as a Mourinho I think maybe one of the the things the rare things that Mourinho and Wenger actually agree on is that stuff like the Ballon d'Or is just that's not what it's about it's not about individual awards individual awards in football are essentially meaningless it's great for one guy but like if there's 10 other guys standing there going fuck that yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't be but it is now and I suppose you know you got an Asian I mean I'm sure Mino has explained to Pogba just how big a deal winning the Ballon d'Or could be. And I mean, even even contracts now have these things written in. I mean, money changes hands. You know, Anthony Marshall's transfer from Monaco to Man United has got a big, has got a Ballon d'Or clause. You know, United, I think, are on the hook for another 10 million euros if he wins it. I think that's In safe. the next five years or something. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But, you know, it's... Uh, it's, I don't know, it's... Even 10 years ago, I mean, was it Houdier? Jared Houdier was saying when Michael Owen won the won the Ballon d'Or. Um, How the fuck did that ever happen? He scored a lot of goals one year. They won, they won the Europa League. Yeah, uh, I remember, Cup. I remember, I remember. He scored a lot, and he scored a hat-trick against Germany. They were the, that was why. Right. Um, but he, uh, he won the Ballon d'Or, and he was kind of like, he didn't even know what it was. He, <laughs> he literally hadn't, he was vaguely aware there was this European Footballer of the Year award, as it was said, and he was like, oh, that's, that's good, but... Yeah. And, and he kind of stood there posing as though it was like the Barclays Player of the Month <laughs> trophy on the side of the pitch at Anfield. And Julio was like, you have no idea what this means. Do you not realise what a big deal this is? And no one was like... Phew. I don't know. Well, I, he would now. You know, he, well, he would now, but the culture has completely changed. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't know whether that says... A lot about the culture oh, or whether, whether it's Michael Owen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, listen, we better leave it there. Ken, a pleasure as always. Thank you. Cheers, Andrew. Thanks very much indeed to Ken. You can find him on Twitter at Ken Earlies. That's at Ken Earlies. And of course, on the Second Captain's podcast, which is a fantastic podcast. If you're looking for something sporty to listen to, there's a bit of Irish focus to it, of course. But the football show, if you're looking for a, another football podcast to listen to, comes very, very, very highly recommended by me. And I should know what I'm talking about. So there. So check it out. Second Captains, search for it and subscribe. Right, as is traditional when we're about to face the Mug Smashers. Well, what can we do but speak to the Mug Smasher? Mug Smasher. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm wonderful. Yeah. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, you're you're injured enough to, to be an Arsenal player mm-hmm. at this moment in time. Yes, I am. Yeah. I have a torn meniscus. Yeah, you're you're Danny Welbeck just without the high top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same, pretty much footballing ability. I have to say. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that, it's a good. That's a compliment okay, to you. Good, yeah, good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, I have to get an injection into my knee ball or my knee joint. Yeah, they go in the side. I have no idea. I'm expecting it to be horrible. What are they? They're injecting like some kind of slurm into the side of your knee. Lube. <laughs> 
<laughs> knee lube. Knee lube. Yeah. Well, you'll have the most lubricated knee in Ireland for a short period of time. Finally. <laughs> a life's ambition. <laughs> so uh, here we are on the eve of a brand new season. Arsenal versus Liverpool feels to me like a game that should be like a bit later in the season. Yeah. Give us yeah. a chance to warm up a bit. It seems a little unfair. On who, though? Us? On, on, well, somebody's going to lose. Um, and then, you know. Whether well, there is this other possibility. Could be a draw. Yeah. 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 You no, somebody's going to lose. Right. We don't draw too many games, do we? We drew last season at the Emirates. It was a nil-nil. Remember yeah. Christian Benteke was had the goal at his mercy. Petr Cech made a, a brilliant save. Yeah. But he really should have scored. It just seems uh, too early in the season to be that deflated. <laughs> you know that early season excitement is just going to be gone for yeah. someone immediately. Yeah, yeah. Arsenal fans are very worried because we haven't signed enough uh, players and we don't have any central defenders to speak of for this particular game. Yeah, that would be a concern, all right? Yeah. How are Liverpool shaping up? Um, I haven't paid a huge amount of attention this summer, to be honest, but we spanked Barcelona 4-0 which is good, and then lost to Mainz 4-0, which I guess is bad. What? Do, what? I think the only conclusion we can draw from that is that you can't draw any conclusions <laughs> from, from pre-season. Maybe, maybe. From what I've read, I've read bits and pieces, mm. and people are suggesting that pre-season has been good and the new players are betting in well, but I, yeah. I've seen none of it. Yeah, you guess these are going to be the players that kind of he wants for, for his system. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't have a, we don't have a full-back... Who went off injured somebody? Moreno. Name? Moreno. I saw a lot of, uh, you know, one of those, um, can you believe what people on Twitter were saying, posts on one of those websites that, you know, look at Twitter and then take tweets and make posts out of them. Um, but it, basically Moreno was, was injured in the game and a lot of Liverpool fans were, were celebrating. Going, this is fantastic. We had the same kind of thing with Gabriel when Gabriel got injured against Manchester City on on uh, on Sunday. A lot of people were going, "This is great. He's shit." <laughs> and but that was the whole thing with the Liverpool fans. Oh, Moreno is shit. This is great. But you know, if you don't actually have someone to replace him, yeah, you need to you know fucking dial it in a bit. Yeah, people are weird and cunts. Yeah, weird cunts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess fullback is a concern. Left ball is a concern. Hey, you know how this is. I mean. We can lose to anyone at any moment. So, hey, look, who are you telling? Yeah, exactly. So who it's hard to go into it imbued with any kind of competence. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You need a couple of games under your belt, and then you can figure out if you're actually any good or what you're bad at, what you're good at, what you need to address. Yeah. Instead, like high pressure game against big opposition on the opening day. Yeah. I mean, I think we have signed some players that are going to improve us. Yeah. Uh, and Arsenal have just Chaka, is it? Yeah. Yeah, it looked good in the Euros. To be fair, he but did. I think need, yeah. you need more than that, don't you? Yeah, I think so. We need. We obviously need a forward, and then when Mertesacker got injured and Gabriel got injured, we 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 really need a, a central defender. We needed one before before this game, I think. Because only had some injury problems last season as well, didn't he? He did, and he's just back. He was only back from uh, from the disappointment of losing the European Championship final to Portugal. Uh, he was just back in training on Monday, so he's sort of behind in his preparation and everything else. So, so will it be Chambers and? It'll be Chambers. I think maybe Monreal. That's not huh? mm. Oh, he's done all right there, hasn't he? He's done okay, but you mean you wouldn't want to have to do that? No, not really. You know, he's a good player, and it, I think it made him a better left back playing there. But yeah, 
You, you know, the opening day. You would, how, how old is he? Monreal is 30 now, 29 or 30. So he's plenty of experience. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think he's going to really, really struggle. There's some fucking famous last words right there. But, <laughs> you know, he, he it's not the ideal partnership to go into a brand new season with. No. And a top class striker will uh, give him some trouble. Do you have what? You've got Mane. Yeah, not exactly a striker, though. He's more a wide man. Is he? I think so. Who's he going to play up front then? Oh, well, Sturridge will start if he's fit. If he, yeah, well, there's a big if. Yeah, yeah. Or mm. Firmino, I suppose. Right. Danny Ings is back in the squad and playing reasonably well. Well, yeah, although the, he's the, not world class. No, but in fairness, uh, Ings can only get better. Boom. Sorry. Had to be done. Well played. Yeah, had to be done. And also, I think you're overlooking the signing of the season for, from a Liverpool point of view. Go on. Alex Manninger. <laughs> <laughs> Vote of confidence for me. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I wonder would he start, um, would he start Manninger? Or would he keep Mignolet? Because he did buy an actual goalkeeper, didn't he? Yeah, he broke his hand. That's a bit unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I still say, yeah, Mignolet will be mm. starting. Um, I, I don't know what I'm basing that on. I presume he's played since your man got injured. I really should have paid more attention. But, you know, Fucking. yeah. It's only summer. Yeah. It's only summer. So what, what do you think of um, what do you think of the league season that lies ahead? Because there's been a lot of comings from a managerial point of view, obviously in Manchester, Pep Guardiola, Man City and Jose Mourinho at, at Manchester United. That could be interesting. Yeah, I, I presume it's just going to be all about them this season. You mean in terms of... No, all about the managers and their two teams. They've spent the most money. Yeah. They brought in the the best players or right. the most high-profile players. Yeah. And the two managers don't like each other very much. No, they don't. I have a feeling that Mourinho might be finished, though. Do you think? Maybe. I kind of want that to be true. I don't know if I believe it. I'd love that. They, like, re- the bubble burst a little bit last year with all his bullshit, so... Yeah. But again, that was like his third season syndrome that kicks in you know when he does go to a club for the first season he's he's yeah. really able to motivate them and he'll have all these guys you know that he he, he can rocket up the arse in first season and yeah maybe you're right yeah that's disappointing it would be great though I would really enjoy it if he was finished yeah well I think the world would really yeah maybe Chelsea I mean no one's paying that much attention to them but Conte is a good manager he's a good manager but I mean have they, they need to do some shit don't they in the they transfer market they need a striker yeah. yeah well they have Costa yeah but you know we saw him last season yeah but again under under Mourinho you know nobody they all hated Mourinho so much they stopped playing like Eden Hazard st- they just stopped playing but he didn't he have a recurring hamstring problem was just you couldn't rely on him to play more than three or four games yeah, in a row. Yeah, I think so. But I think you also find that when a guy is in, enthusiastic and, and really wants to play and isn't going, well, fuck the manager, then yeah. he tends to be a bit fitter. So, But yeah, no, he's going to be interesting as well. Yeah. I mean, it's between those three for the title, you'd imagine. You think? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Right. Um. Yeah, and I, I don't have... Too high expectations for Liverpool, except to do slightly better than eighth. Do you not think oh. they'll improve a lot? Um, I think Liverpool are going to improve a lot. 
Because you've no, Euro- no European football, right? Well, that is something, isn't okay, it? Okay, so you've got a squad that's going to be really fresh. You've got Klopp bringing in players who who he's identified that can fit into the system that he wants to play and who will do all the Kloppy things that Klopp likes to Klopp. <laughs> and, uh, you know, without the European distractions, being able to keep a, a fresh squad, competing with other teams that have got European football and tiredness and travel and all those things, I think Liverpool are going to be a, a shout for the top four. Thanks for the pep talk. Well, that's okay. Maybe I should be more positive. Um, the, the last two times we came second, we had no European football. So. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I think that's maybe a Maybe we can up. come second again. <laughs> it's great. We we came second last year. It was the best. Yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah. How angry everyone was, and you had your best finish in uh, how long? Uh, since 2005. Yeah. Weird. Football is weird. It was a weird season. It really was. Yeah. It really was. But ultimately finished in a very hilarious fashion f- from an Arsenal point of view. <laughs> you know, if not, the, if not the way that we wanted it to finish, uh, you know, over the course of the season, you obviously want to win. But, you know, for, for Spurs to implode the way that they did on the final day was like just so Spursy. Who, who were they playing when Newcastle. they Newcastle. All- Remember yeah. they lost <laughs> to 10 man Newcastle, I think. That's the one where they all lost their heads, wasn't it? Yeah. And tried to get sent off and just yeah. started kicking people. Yeah. That was pretty great. No, that was Chelsea. That was the Chelsea game, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was Chelsea. But the final day of the season, they just they lost the plot anyway. They just gave up. Yeah. Which was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, what What do you think? Uh, what's your prediction for Leicester? Um, I think they'll do well, but they're not going to win the league again. But they're not going to fall apart either. Yeah. They've bought a couple of decent players, haven't they? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they'll do reasonably well. Um, European places. Do you think? Yeah. All right. I don't. I think they're going to finish about eighth or ninth. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now that the dream is over, once they realise they're not going to win the league again, they might. Yeah, I just think they're going to struggle with. I mean, with Champions League football and trying to balance a squad that you know he didn't rotate an awful lot last season. He's not mm. going to be able to do that if they're playing, if they're playing in Europe. Um, you know, the travel that's involved, the extra effort that's involved, and I think what they did, what they did last season was amazing. But I also think it was, it was kind of like when you. You take off in the car and you drive and just you get all green lights. You know that way? Have I ever happened to you where you're just going along and like all the lights are green and eventually eventually you get a red light and then after that it's just red lights all the way. I think Leicester are going to hit the red lights. Mm, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's easy to think that way, but um, I guess this is the real test of them. Yeah. Yeah, the European football is going to be a, a different thing. Yeah. Yeah, I still don't think they'll fall apart. Right. Um, there are no flashes in the pan. I well, re- I will regret saying. I disagree. I think they are. Right. I think they are. So, what about Arsenal? What about Arsenal? Uh, you know, a squad that, uh, as always, is like two players away from being pretty much complete. They need a forward of some description, a striker, ideally. Plenty of wide options, uh, not all of them terribly convincing, but at least they're there. But they need a striker, and they need a, a central defender. So um, I think that's coming. The central defender is coming. Yeah, uh, a guy from Valencia, the German guy called Mustafi. All right. Um, and then who they bring in up front remains anybody's guess at this point. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. There's, you know, like I've been saying on the the podcast with James is that like if they just wanted any old striker. Or just somebody, they could have got somebody by now. So my thinking is that perhaps they want 
something that's difficult or something that's a bit bigger or grander or requires other things to happen for, let's say, for another club to buy a player or for Arsenal to to buy a player from them, which will help fund them buying a big player from somebody else. That's the only thing I can think of. It sounds like you're rationalizing a little bit. It is. I'm desperately, desperately (laughs) clutching at straws. But, you know, I think if they'd wanted to get like any sort of like backup striker for Giroud, they could have got it by now. So... They obviously want somebody better. Yeah, they don't want a backup striker for Giroud. Yeah, because they've got that in Danny Well. Number one, yeah. Yeah, so that's it. You know, it's I'd funny though. The other clubs seem to be able to buy players. Yeah, and, yeah. And Arsenal don't yeah. buy players. Even players that uh, aren't headline names, but who are of a, of a sufficient quality. Chelsea do it a bit. Yeah. Um, maybe different scouts. I guess he just doesn't like taking risks. Either I think that's what it is, financial risks, and and now that the the market has gone crazy with the money and the prices of players have gone through the roof, then I think mm-hmm. he's it, it, he's even more reluctant to to do a deal that he feels isn't worth the money. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because he, he may have he may have to get over that a little bit. Oh, no, I think he did. He said this week that you know, look, we're going to have to pay what it takes, or you know, basically, you know, we can't control the market. We have to follow the prices. Is essentially what he said. But I still think, let's say, this guy Lacazette at Leon that they had mm. a bid for for thirty million uh, at the start of the summer. When Leon rejected it, he was like, "All right, I'm not paying any more than that for him. If they can sell him at that price, fine. But I'm not paying any more than that for him." So I think that's where that's a that's, habit he has to break. Yeah, yeah. A mindset he has to. Get beyond. Yeah, if he's not going to then actually bring in somebody better, yeah. you know, if you're going to have to settle for somebody, maybe settle. But I don't suppose you settle at the start of the summer, do you? No, you maybe, maybe settle not. in the final week of the transfer window. If the big thing doesn't come off, then you go, okay, maybe now because our need is so pressing, we can spend a bit more than we want to on this guy. But yeah. yeah. Hey, did Everton spend 30 million? Million? Minions. 30, 30 minions. On Palassi. <laughs> Thirty millions. Thirty million. I'm going to have to put in some minion sound effects here. Thirty millions. Thirty millions. Did they? Uh, yeah, yeah, I believe so. That's mad, isn't it? It is. Yeah, thirty million pounds for Yannick Balassi. I mean, they were talking about thirty million for uh, Musa Sissoko as well. I mean, the guy um, that you guys bought, uh, Vinealdum, yeah, from Newcastle. He, w- he was. I think they paid eight or nine million for him. And Liverpool paid twenty million for him after a relegated season. Yeah. So it's just fucking nuts. It yeah. is nuts. Yeah, yeah, the world's gone mad. What do you make of uh, the Pogba thing, the Pogba deal? Um, I think it's fucking crazy that they let him go for free and now they spent a hundred million for him. And I've seen lots of people saying, "Well, he's the best player around," so, and they wanted him, so they bought him. But is he that good? Lots of people have lots of doubts about him. Yeah. I think he's a really good player, but, uh, you know, is he a hundred million pound player? No, but is anyone, yeah. it's yeah. I don't know. It's bizarre. It is. Uh, but it is funny that, you know, they've spent that much money on someone they let go for free. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking, who, your man Sporting Intelligence did, you know, the transfer spend. Yeah. Uh, and the net spend. City and United are over a hundred million net. <sighs> the next highest is 30 million or something yeah. at Chelsea, so. Yeah, well, they've really, yeah, they've obviously really pushed the boat out to new managers who have been given whatever they want. Yeah, whatever they want. Guardiola, I mean, Guardiola had to come in and rebuild, and uh, Mourinho is essentially a checkbook manager. I mean, that's what he does. Yeah, true. He buys big, established, top level players, and it works. I mean, he fucking wins things. Mkhitaryan. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. We should have bought him. 
Arsenal were well in for him and then yeah, we were in three years ago yeah. yeah he there you go he's a good player yeah I expect him to do not the good shit yeah motherfucker yeah alright well look um, as ever I, I don't wish you luck for Sunday but for the rest no. of the season apart from the other game at Anfield I also don't wish you luck for that but you know have a good one and same to you yeah and I uh, hope your knee gets nicely lubed yeah I think they're going to inject nanobots into it Minions, they should inject minions <laughs> into your knees. That'd be brilliant. Heal me. Thank you. Bye bye. So, thank you very much to the Mug Smasher, and hopefully, he is a sad, sad Mug Smasher come six o'clock on Sunday evening because by then we'll know what's happened in our opening game of the season. I'm sort of veering between complete lack of confidence and like, hey, Anything can happen. It's football. Look at last season, the opening day, West Ham. Everyone thought, it's West Ham. Arsenal are going to win. That's a great game for them to have on the opening day of the season. They've got a good squad together. They've got Petr Cech in goal. And what happens? 2-0 defeat. 2-0 defeat. And now this time we're looking at this game with some fear and trepidation and worry, of course, about our central defensive issue. And uh, it seems like a win is almost like a pipe dream. But look, we still have good players and we've still got players who can hurt Liverpool. It's whether or not uh, we don't shoot ourselves in the foot or allow them to shoot us in the feet. Both feet, probably, and the knees, if we let them. Um, but look, what, what, what's the manager going to do in terms of his team? That is the big question. And what's he going to do at centre-half? He's got no Gabriel, and he's got no Permer to Sacker. So that means he's got to choose somebody to partner Callum Chambers, I think is the obvious choice for one of the central defensive roles. Funnily, or coincidentally, I guess, one of his only appearances at centre-half last season was against Liverpool in the home game. I think it was the second game of the season. And in the first half, he had an absolute stinker. It was really bad. And it wouldn't have been a surprise if he'd if he'd been taken off. But he came out again for the second half and played a lot better. Although it did seem to dent Arsene Wenger's confidence in him in that position. But right now, I don't think he's got any choice but to rely on him. So could he use 20-year-old Rob Holding? I don't think so. I don't think that would be fair. I don't think a 20-year-old who hasn't played a Premier League game is ready to make that kind of a debut. And I think it's it's just unfair and too risky to throw him in that much at the deep end. Uh, you know, if it goes really badly wrong, then it's going to be difficult for him to recover from. You don't want his first taste of football being an absolute clusterfuck at the back. Now, that's not to say he couldn't play very well, but, it you know, it's a big risk. What about Lauren Koscielny? Only back in training since... Monday, is he too much of a risk to play? You'd probably say yes, given the fact that Mertesacker is out, Gabriel is out, and he was given this extra rest for a reason. He gave him more time off after the European Championship so he could ease him back. He's behind on preseason, he's behind on his conditioning, and if he were to pick up an injury, then... Jesus, you know, it will be an absolute disaster, even if uh, the possibility of, how do you pronounce that guy guy's name, Mustafi? Not the Mustafi part, but his first name. How do you pronounce that? Shkodran? Shkodran? I don't know. I'll just call him Mustafi for the moment. It looks like that's going to go through, and that's obviously going to be a big boost for us going uh, going into the season. But for this particular game, um, we're going to have we're going to have to choose from what we've got. I think it's a big risk to play Koscielny because if he comes back too early and if he picks up an injury that keeps him out, it just it's a huge spanner in the works. Um, so I think what he'll probably do is play Nacho Monreal at centre half along with, along with Callum Chambers, which isn't ideal, but Kieran Gibbs at left back is a very solid, experienced player. And what gives me some, 
uh, hope or optimism going into this is that we've got like such great midfield options. Imagine uh, we're playing uh, Monreal and Chambers at centre half, not anybody's first choice, but you know we can protect them with uh, Xhaka and El Neni or Xhaka and Coquelin. Uh in central midfield. We could make a shield essentially in front of them the way that Leicester did last season with Kante protecting um, Wes Morgan and Robert Huth not exactly two of the greatest quickest centre halves that you ever saw in your life good committed solid pros but like you know they won the title and of course a lot of it came down to the midfield protection that they were given so if we do that uh, and put a good uh, shield in front of them then we can go some way to offsetting that particular weakness with the wide players Iwobi's going to work I would choose Joel Campbell on the right hand side but I suspect it'll be Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain with probably Aaron Ramsey uh, playing in the Mesut role uh, who will give you a bit of box to box and I think Alexis Sanchez up front so you know it's a bit it's a bit makeshift a bit mix and match but um, given what we have, I think that's probably the the best we can do. And look, it's a brand new season. Anything could happen. We've got good players. Am I trying to convince myself here? Am I trying to convince you? Am I just trying to like get it up? figuratively speaking, of course, uh, for the start of the season? Maybe that's what I'm doing. Maybe I'm just trying to look at my glass and, and see that it's half full. Actually, I'm looking at my actual glass right now, and there's only a really tiny, tiny bit of beer left. So it's not even half empty. It's like mostly empty. But it's a glass of beer, not of optimism or or pessimism. I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. I hope, I hope, of course, that we play well and we win. I think if we don't and there's a perception that the lack of transfer activity has in some way contributed to a bad result, which it's very difficult to make the case against that, I, you know, I worry about what the reaction is going to be like on the first day of the season. You remember a few years ago uh, after Aston Villa, and it was it was pretty bad that day, but I think this would be a lot worse. Uh, and again, look, I'm looking at worst case scenario, so maybe I shouldn't do that. But we've got to be aware of, of all the things that can happen. <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's Liverpool against Arsenal. Two big teams. Our record on the opening day isn't great, but, you know, maybe the guys that we have will, will dig in a little bit extra while we wait for reinforcements, while we wait for people to come back from European championships and from injuries. I don't know. All I can tell you is that I am actually looking forward to the football being back because, you know, this is what it's all about. It's the Arsenal playing at home, first day of the season, and I'm up for it. I am. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe I'm just a bit of a masochist. I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. So let's do it. Let's, you know, see what happens. We'll see what happens. I'm keeping everything crossed, you know, fingers and toes and you know, all the things you can do for, for good luck, which, of course, make no difference whatsoever. But they'll make me feel slightly better until we get to four o'clock on Sunday. James and I will be here on Monday to go over whatever the hell goes on uh, during the Liverpool game and all the fallout or the reaction and the joy and happiness or the despair and grief. Who knows? but we'll have it for you on Monday on the Arscast Extra. So thank you, as always, for listening. Hope you enjoy this bumper edition. It's good to be back. Glad to have you back. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye.
Join us as we take another enchanting adventure into the world of the angriest man on Twitter. Laugh-a-minute romp with the angriest man on Twitter. Everything is shit! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.